Well, we have been together uh, nearly a year now, if you can believe it. Um, and so it seems like the right time to break something about me uh, to you. Truth be told, sometimes I really don't like the Gospel of John. It's a low point, actually, in my Easter season. It's not just that John's version of Jesus is given to these like long, run-on, ethereal speeches, and I prefer the down-to-earth Jesus of the Synoptic Gospels. It, I, I do. It's not only because John depicts a Jesus who has this godlike omniscience of what's going to befall him while... I prefer the more human Jesus who seems to actually not understand all the time what's going on and struggles with it. No, uh, it's not just that. The worst part about John is that it is only in his gospel where you get that awful little phrase that we heard again today from the reading. It was winter, Jesus was walking in the temple, portico of Solomon, so the Jews gathered around him. The Jews. I'm a person sworn to uphold the worship of the church, but do you know how much willpower it takes for me not to ad-lib that next sentence in the gospel? Jesus, who was also a Jew, answered. I would love to put that in as a parenthetical when we read this. I think taking liberties with liturgy and scripture is pure hubris and attention-seeking behavior, but still, it takes so much for me to not say, Jesus, another highly observant, utterly Jewish Jew, answered. (laughs) Agreed, bud. It's only John who does this sort of thing, trying to remove Jesus from his Judaism. In the other Gospels, Jesus spars with the religious authorities, but it's like me arguing with my bishops. He's never identified apart from them. Why does this happen in John? Um, I'm sorry that you're going to have to hear this every Easter season, because I actually do think it's something that really ought to be explained more in churches. Here's what's going on. Um, John's Gospel was written late, Uh, at least 50 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. The Christian community were not known as Christians in the beginning. They were Jews who believed the Messiah had come, very observant ones. They went to synagogue. They studied and read the Hebrew scriptures. They had endless arguments about what parts of the Jewish law still had to be recognized for all of us Gentile converts to their faith, their faith. But by 50 years in, with John, it's a different picture. Christians existed as a rejected offshoot of Judaism, like a a cult or a sect. In John's community in Asia Minor, they had been kicked out of the synagogues and were suffering persecution like, like all the little weird religions in the Roman Empire who tended to cause social unrest, which is what the Christians did. So John writes his gospel in the voice of someone who has been tossed out of his community with a couple dozen friends. We know what this feels like, right? 
In Arkansas, I lived in a small town uh, where there was the First Baptist Church on one corner. Uh, the Second Baptist Church was just down the street. Uh, Third Baptist Church was a little further on the outskirts of town. And Fourth Baptist Church existed and looked like they had only been able to afford a falling down old church building that someone else had vacated. Every new church in this line in a small town uh, was the result of some split among the membership of that original. And I'm pretty sure the only thing that members of the Fourth Baptist Church hated more than drinking uh, and dancing uh, were the people who went to the other Baptist churches, right? It's human nature, isn't it? The brother who harms you hurts worse than the acquaintance. That's John's community. Powerless, misunderstood, isolated from the people who were so recently brothers. John is trying to be pastoral, trying to tell his followers, look, Jesus felt what you did. Look at him and the Jews, John writes. Take heart, is what he's trying to say. You have the same struggles our Lord faced. The problem is, of course, that that is not how John's caricature of the Jews played out in actual Christian history. A couple of centuries later, Christians are the ones who hold the power. Augustine argues that the Jews should survive but never thrive so that their public misery would broadcast their proper punishments for not recognizing the truth of the church's claims about Jesus. And that's just by the fourth century. By the time you get to the Reformation, you get people like Martin Luther, who I quote all the time, publishing books entitled The Jews and Their Lies. Removing Jesus from Judaism had real and disastrous consequences, as we are all aware. And I do think that somewhere in the afterlife, John is held accountable somehow for the atrocities carried out in the name of Christ on the Jewish people, insofar as he unwittingly gave fuel to the fires of anti-Semitism. But then we will all face that judgment, even as we are forgiven of the unseen pain we perpetuate in this world. And it's funny because our most treasured biblical passages come from this gospel. Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, give us all they can of the eyewitness accounts. John gives us theology and poetry. We love him for it. It's John who gives us the bread of life, the living water, the miracle of the water turned to wine at a wedding at Cana of Galilee. It's John only that we read at funerals, who tells us in the Father's house there are many mansions. It's John who gives us the image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. There's something deeply hopeful about this to me. I mean, don't miss John's words at face value. The Good Shepherd passage gives us promises to hope in. 
There are not many times in my life when I do not need to be reminded that God knows my name. I am called a sheep, maybe slightly insulting, until you consider that the overwhelming complexities of your life and worries are as simple and even benign as a barnyard animal's to the vastness of the God we serve. Did you know you can trust yourself to hear God's voice calling you? Did you know that Jesus will never let you be snatched from his hand? But on another level, it's hopeful to me because it's John who tells me this. He tells me the gospel in the way that he knows how, human foibles and all, and we still find the divine word at work there. That's good news for us, all of us here, who realize that we are to live in imitation of this shepherd. Maybe if I learn to trust the work of God coming to me through John, maybe I can trust that it comes to me through all sorts of different characters in this world. Maybe it lets my mind take a break from the binary game of who's worthwhile and who isn't, who's on my side or not. This game we're playing to increasingly disastrous stakes as we cut ourselves off from our neighbors. Maybe if we can see the ways that the divine word still works through these broken vessels, we can live in a little less judgment of our neighbors. And if we did that, who knows? We may free up a little room in our souls to notice the divine word at work there, too.